señorita Really nice to meet ya Have some tequila and stay This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's recovered anorexic, mental health advocate, body acceptance maven. Laura Desiree, her Instagram caught my attention. She has been recovered. She went to treatment for her anorexia and now uses her platform to inspire other women to love their bodies, to live life to the fullest, to show what normal bodies look like. I'm so excited to have this raw open, nothing off limits conversation about eating disorders, what recovery looks like and where she's at today. Here's my episode with Laura Desiree. I am so happy to get you on here. Like this conversation, it's one I've been looking forward to. I think you said you, you thought you responded or something. I got your message and then I, I get a lot of messages every day. And so I lost yours and I was like, Oh no, I really wanted to do this. I was like, well, she gets too many messages. I thought it was It wasn't going to happen. And then you were back. (laughs) I don't know how much you know about what this is or my story, but squats and margaritas is a book I wrote about it's a journey to finding balance. I'm still on the journey. Um, and mm-hmm. a balanced lifestyle to me is what I do now, which is work out a few times a week. Um, I have cocktails daily and I enjoy my life. Whereas before for 20 years, I abused my body. It was either bulimia or restriction. And I didn't have any indulgences. I was sad and I was 20 pounds heavier living that way. And we can get into that too. Cause I know that I have the mental language about it being about a weight, a certain like weight on a scale. Um, so I wrote my book to try to inspire women who I'm about to be 40 in a couple of weeks. And I have two kids and just kind of say, you can find yourself at any point. I struggled for 20 right. years, but I decided in my book to share my story. And I wanted to kind of start this out with your story. You struggled with anorexia. Just kind of tell your story about how an eating disorder crept into your life and Mm -hmm. where you think it kind of came from. Yeah. So um, I was diagnosed with anorexia when I was 17. And um, it kind of went, it went really quickly because I went, uh, it was during summer. I lost like 25 pounds in one summer. Wow. Um, and I didn't realize how much weight I lost. So when I came, I went to the United States, I was eating barely anything. And I was convinced that I only wanted to lose a few pounds. I was 75 kilos. I don't know how much that is in pounds. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think I have no idea. I'll, I'll look it up later. Oh. But um and uh, I came back and I had lost so much weight. And it's only when I weighted myself that I realized how much weight I had lost. And I immediately went to a specialist, to an eating disorder specialist, because it scared me. Wow. So it was kind of like I was in denial the entire summer. But when I came home and realized it was actually happening, I, it, like, I got so scared. And so I went to see a specialist right away. And like, and a couple of days later, I was diagnosed with anorexia and so it, um, it was intentional though. Like you were trying to lose a couple pounds. So I, I was trying to lose a couple pounds. That's, that's how it starts. Usually it's, you think you're doing a little diet because you want to lose a few pounds and then it becomes something else mm-hmm. very quickly. But for me, it was a mix of, well, the, the, it was a mix of a, a few things. It was trauma from my family events that happened in my family. Um, a 
a few events that happened in my family mixed with being bullied at school for being fat and tall. I think my coping mechanism for all the events that was happening in my family went to food and my body because I was bullied at the time. So it's still an addiction. So it could have been booze. It could have been drugs. It could have been any other addiction, but it was food because I had been bullied for my body for so many years Um, before I realized because that trauma had happened when I was little but I think it came into my consciousness when I was 16, 17, and I didn't know how to cope. Yeah. And so being in denial also that I had to face that trauma, I went to food directly and like, and being in control of food and then my body. But That's I didn't exactly. realize that until months and years of therapy. You don't really know that what's happening until a, a specialist tells you. Not at all. I didn't realize yeah. I, I never went to therapy, but I realized after going through writing my book, like, when things are feel out of control, you look to something that you can control. And a lot of times mm-hmm. that is food. It's, it's, I've just researched a lot, like eating disorders can come on when you have an identity change. Like you, some, like for me, I was an athlete my whole life and I quit yeah. my sport in college and I didn't realize how much I identified as a soccer player until it was gone. And then it was like, well, what now? Like I, I didn't have that identity anymore. And it was like, what's left. So I just started um, being bulimic. Like I started binging and purging and it was something when I felt out of control that I could control. And it started as a way to lose weight. And well, we can start with anorexia because that start. I had that too. I started in, in high school again, soccer. Um, I wanted to be in great shape for soccer. So I was like thinking to me, skinny was good and healthy and great for soccer. Cause I was really in shape. It's like dancing. Yes, exactly. Dancers. Yeah. But then I was like losing strength in my legs. I couldn't crosses anymore. Like it was all my coach said something. He's like, you're getting too skinny. And honestly, like for me, I was like, sweet. Like people are noticing, like I wanted people to, if I lost weight, I needed people to confirm it and like say, oh my gosh, you look so skinny. Of course. Yeah. What drove me. So even though soccer did, and I was scared to lose that or lose any kind of strength towards soccer, I did like that affirmation that I was skinny. So, well, yeah, because everywhere you look, everywhere you read, when someone says, oh my God, you look so skinny. It's a compliment. It oh is. my God, you lost so much weight. That's a compliment. And people don't realize if the weight loss was intentional. If you're sometimes I, I was in worse, worse um, health when I was thin than when I gained weight after. Yeah. Like I, I still read books sometimes um, when, when authors just, just throw that line, oh my God, you lost weight. You look so good. And it's like, it's everywhere we look everyone shows and films. And so of course you're looking for that affirmation and that validation because losing weight is a compliment. Yeah. And Laura, don't you think that like both of us struggled? I mean, I'm obviously older than you, but social media wasn't even a thing. Like, social media was not a thing. Can no. you imagine now, like somebody that's in this now, like I have a daughter that's about to be six. She will have social media her whole life. And it pains me as hard as it was for me to struggle. Like someone bullying her and she's my, I'm five ten. My husband's six, three. She is head and shoulders taller than everyone in her kindergarten class. And if anyone starts messing with her about her size and she gets any of that noise, like it is my life's mission that she does not struggle like I did. So I don't, I try not to say anything. We're not going to have a scale. She's not going to, I, I can't say that my mom, my mom was always on diets, always thin Mm -hmm. was losing weight. Like you said, was a positive thing in our house, but I was one of four girls. I was the oldest 
And I was going to ask you about this too, birth order. Yeah. My three sisters who grew up in the same environment of like diet culture, dieting is good, cutting calories and being on a diet is good. No one struggled except me. I was the only one who dealt with any kind of eating disorder, body image. Like they, and they all played soccer. They were all like into their sport, but they never, I don't know. It's, it, do you think it's just like, if your personality is susceptible to it, it's not just about your environment. You still have to be kind of predisposed to be yeah. like a perfectionist, so obsessive it's, person. It's both. It's both. I think you, you, you can be predisposed. And I think, um, it, it's also, it also depends on events that happen in your life, but I definitely think that you can be predisposed and it just can happen without any, um, trauma or any, um, shock that happened in your life. I wondered too, like, was it just one, like if you've been bullied for years, was there one moment like that triggered something in you? Um, I was about 10 years old when kids started to bully me at school, but also my sister, so I have two sisters who are way older than me from a a first marriage Mm -hmm. on my mom's side. Um, so one of my sisters is 58 and the other one is, I think 55. Wow. So they could be my, my moms. <laughs> but so my oldest sis- sister got pregnant uh, with my niece when I was six years old. And she got postpartum depression. And she gained a lot of weight. She, beca- she became very fat. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a shame in my family. Like my mom would tell me, don't eat too much because you're going to look like your sister. And it's like, it, it was always like, I can't eat too much. I can't be too fat because then I'm going to look like my sister and it's going to be a bad thing. And like, nobody, it was always like it, since I was like younger than 10 years old, it was always a thing. Like you can't be fat because it's not good. It's negative. It's like, it's a shame. And I was a fat kid. I I wasn't very fat, but I was, I was a fat kid. Mm. And, um, and so being bullied and being told things at home, um, it was kind of a mix of both. So it's kind of almost like an only child situation. Yeah. Like because yeah. you grew up. Yeah. I grew up on my own with my parents. Yeah. I need you to talk about therapy. So you, I was going to ask if there was one moment that made you decide, like, I need to get help. But right. you said when you got on the scale. When, yeah. When I got summer. on the scale and I realized I lost 25 pounds and I could not see it in the mirror. I was like, there's something wrong. Like that oh, this is not me. You looked, you didn't even notice like you. I didn't know this. I was oh, losing geez. weight and I, I wouldn't notice um, anything. That's a symptom of anorexia. Your brain is playing tricks on you because mm-hmm. um, anorexia is a mental illness. It's an illness. It's not just exactly. a diet. It's not an extreme diet. It's yep. an, it's a mental illness. So your, your brain plays a lot of tricks on you. And even when I was at my skinniest, I, I look back on pictures now and I not for one second that I think I looked like that back then. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, the moment I realized was when I came back from, from vacation and, um, and realized how unhappy I was and realized that I hadn't, I couldn't see all the weight that I had put off. So. And what did you learn there? Because I, I, t- I prepped you for this. I was like, I need you to help me. Yeah. The mental aspect. Like I have been criticized. My book came out two years ago and I, I still very much like look for validation. I've never written a book. Like I wanted it to do well. Right. And I would get these reviews and it's always an eating disorder therapist. And it was like, this woman should not be writing a book about recovery. Um, the words that she uses show that she still has an eating disorder. If you're going to put out a book on eating disorder recovery, you should speak in line with how professionals see recovery and to that, and I, I was very defensive a year ago. And I'd be like, this is not a book about eating disorder recovery. This is my story. 
I share what happened to me and I share how I live now. I'm not marketing this as how to heal yourself from an eating disorder. And I, I have learned now, like I project heal. I don't know if you're familiar with them where they um, advocate for um, eating disorder treatment. Like a lot of insurance companies won't pay for it. So they will get your treatment paid for if your uh, insurance won't pay for it. I had the CEO of that organization come on and she was saying the same things. And it was like, I finally heard it. She kept like, when I would talk and I already heard myself say it once, I said, now I just live with balance and I work out three, three times a week. I eat whatever I want and I'm 20 pounds thinner. And she kept going, (laughs) I was like, what? And she's like, it's always comes back to, and then I lost the weight. And I was like, but I'm just trying to say now I don't restrict and I don't throw up my food. And now I, I listen to my hunger cues. I honor them. I eat all the time. And she's like, but it's still about a physical ideal for you. And you, she goes, let me ask you this. If you had not lost the 20 pounds, would you have written the book? And I was like, no. And she's like, so that's where you need to. And I, she's like, I understand you never went to therapy. And she's like, I believe that you're recovered from the actions. Like I haven't thrown up my food in 14 years and I don't restrict. And even after bulimia, I was like, I'm going to eat and I'm going to do things the right way. But it was like salads. I wouldn't eat unless it was a meal time Cause I was like mm-hmm. saving my calories, yeah. but I wasn't losing. I wasn't skinny. No one would think I had an eating disorder. I was 20 pounds heavier because my body had shut off and I wasn't, you know, it was like, it was survival. Yeah. I was exercising too much and I wasn't eating enough. Now I truly eat whatever I want. I don't eat clean or like a healthy diet that I would say, I mean, some mostly healthy, but I eat fried foods. I eat sweets. I eat, I drink wine and margaritas daily. And I'm saying, I enjoy these indulgences. I've been able to maintain a weight because I feel like my body trusts me now. And it is, it's like, you're eating, you're not going to throw it up. Um, you're eating when you're hungry, like, okay, we can burn again. We can, that was my message. Like if you just honor your body, you don't restrict, you don't binge and do all these things that I used to do in search of this physical ideal, you can find it by just listening to your body. But the eating disorder community came for me. And now I understand, like, I don't want to say words that trigger people or that aren't. So a few things. Um, it's, very tricky to talk about eating disorders because first people don't know what they are. They think it's a diet. They think bulimia is eating a lot of food and, and throwing up, but people don't are not conscious about the, the, the psychology aspect of it. Why you're doing this. People just think like she's on a diet. She's not eating. She's throwing up, but they're not thinking about why, why is she in so much pain that she has to do this to herself? because people don't know it's an illness. And it's so, so it's really tricky for these people to talk about it. And it's tricky for people who are in the eating disorder community and body positive community, because they think that it's black or white. So you have an eating disorder and you recover, but it's not like that. Like for me, I, for me, I thought I was recovered in 2012. Why? Cause you just stopped, you started eating. Because I, because I wasn't restricting as much as I used to when I was anorexic, when I was very, very anorexic, I didn't eat. I, I, I ate two pieces of salad and like one, one slice of, of turkey, you know, like it was nothing. When I started to eat a little bit more and, and gain a little bit more weight to the point where I actually do things because I couldn't do for, for a, a long time. I couldn't do anything. I was so tired and I had no energy. I there was nothing I could do. I, I didn't go to class for six months. I was hospitalized. Like it was my body had completely shut down. So when I started to eat a little bit more just to gain weight, so I 
so I wouldn't die really. I thought that was recovery. And um, that allowed me to go to the United States and go to school in the United States. It was kind of a deal I had with myself and with my parents. If I gain enough weight, I, I can go study film in the United States. That was a deal. But that was a deal that wasn't I wasn't doing this to recover. Yeah. I was doing this because I had to, yeah. I wanted to go to school in, in yeah. LA. Yep. So I, I so I kind of so I left to go to LA to go to school, but I was still dieting. I was still restricting. I was still going to the gym seven times a, seven times a, a week to make sure I wasn't gaining weight. Like yep. I was still was very much in control, but because I thought I was recovered, I was completely in denial that it was still happening and nobody knew my parents thought I was healed because also my parents didn't really understand that the way I looked wasn't my natural body. They thought that when I was fat, I was too fat, but that's my natural body. I'm not, I'm not a size six. I'm not a size eight. I'm a size 10, 12, 14, but I'm not like, I'm not thin, but my parents thought because that's the norm, that's what she has to look like. And so she's fine. She's recovered. And I thought, I thought so too. So for years, really until 2017, um, the whole time I went to school, I was, I'm a nerd. So I loved going to school and I loved focusing on school. And so I didn't really have time to face my eating disorder. It was kind of in the back and I, yep, you're I, was, I was, and I was used to it. I knew exactly what food had, how many calories I knew what an hour of going to the gym would burn. Like I, I knew exactly all the calories, what, what exercises I could do to burn these calories. Like it was kind of, um, yes. Oh, the pilots, you know? So I didn't really take, so (laughs) yeah, so I didn't really take care of it, but then, um, I graduated and I didn't have school to focus on anymore. And so I was Mm. like, shit, I am so unhappy and I am still dieting and I am still restricting and I am still not allowing my body to be the size that it wants to be. And so it's really in 2017 that I realized I had, I was still in an eating disorder this whole time. But so what my point is that is that you want to think that you're recovered. You <laughs> want I to don't think, throw out my food. <laughs> yeah. I'm healed. You, that's the thing. Like you, because yeah. you're not doing as bad as you used to, you think you're recovered. And because also it's so heavy mentally, like it hurts. It's very painful to go through an eating disorder. It's painful. It's like, I, I went through depression because of my eating disorder. Like it's painful. You don't feel understood by other people. People leave your life because they're scared of it. Well, because it's secretive. Nobody knew what I was doing when I was bleeding. Nobody knew. So it's so shameful and gross. Like I didn't want shameful. So no, exactly. I, I would just isolate and, I couldn't talk to anybody about it because first, like I never, I didn't know anyone else who was bulimic. And so, yeah, you're isolated and no one would understand. Like you, why would it, it's not even that I would feel they wouldn't understand. I wouldn't want anybody to know what I was doing because I was so ashamed of it. And and that's why I pretended I was okay for so many years because I was tired of it. I didn't want to be anorexic anymore. I didn't want to be sick anymore. So I was trying to convince myself I wasn't, even though I was still, because I hadn't healed all of the trauma that happened and, yeah. all the pain that bullying um, made me feel. And so, and you want to be normal. You want to yeah. be normal so bad. And you want people to accept you and you don't want people to see you as the girl who has anorexia. You want people to see you as a girl, you know? Yes. And, and so. You want to be labeled with that. Yeah. yeah. 
And so my, my point was that is that uh, my point was that is that you sometimes like for your book, maybe you wrote this book thinking that you were recovered and wanting to be normal again and wanting so bad to be like, you know, to be over with it, that you wrote this book, but you're a human being and it's completely okay if you wrote this book and you were still going through it because you wanted to convince yourself that you were healed, even if you were not like, that makes sense. That happened with Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato told Mm -hmm. everyone in 2012, 2013, she went to rehab and then she came out and she was like, I don't do drugs anymore. I like my, my eating disorder is fine. And then she came back with a documentary saying, well, actually my eating disorder is not fine, but I'm not doing drugs anymore. I'm completely fine. And then she came back two years later well, yeah. actually, I was doing drugs this whole time and I had an eating disorder this whole time. And I don't blame her because she just wanted to be normal again. She totally. just wanted to she just wanted this to end. And so by telling the world, oh, this is this has ended. I'm not doing this anymore. It was like convincing herself that it wasn't going on anymore. It's all denial because you just want to be normal and you want to be accepted and you want to be loved. And so it's completely human to to think that you're recovered and, and say things to the public even though you're not there yet. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. For so long, I would just have a glass of wine or two before bed and I would fall asleep fine. But a couple hours later, I'd be wide awake. And that's because wine has sugar. Make the transition to tequila. Tequila has no sugar, no carbs. It's gluten free. And I just found a tequila that is additive free. A clean spirit called Inspiro Tequila that was developed by a woman. It's crafted by women. And every step from developing the taste profile to getting it on the shelves, it's all women. And they support other women. Right now, they're giving my listeners 10% off at InspiroTequila.com with promo code Margaritas10. That's Margaritas and the number 10 at InspiroTequila.com. It's smooth. You can sip it on the rocks or in a skinny margarita. And right now, you can get it for 10% off at InspiroTequila.com. Now, back to squats and margaritas. And I truly had a need to share my story to help a woman who was me and feeling like I said there were days I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to stop binging and purging. It's, it was on autopilot. Like you said, that's all I did. And I, I, the only reason I didn't go into treatment is because of the shame. I didn't want people to know what I was doing. Like I, it goes back. I was prom queen. I was homecoming queen. We were state champion soccer players. Like I had a reputation. I didn't want anyone to, to, I didn't want to like let down people. I didn't want anyone Mm -hmm. to know. This is why I thought I was recovered. This is how my eating disorder progressed. Like in high school, I wouldn't, there was a point I wouldn't eat carrots because they were starchy carbohydrates. I would not eat a veggie, right? I would go home and nap until dinner time because it was like saving calories. And then I would eat at dinner. And then when my coach said something about my, uh, crosses weren't strong. I needed to eat. I started eating. And then it's what you just described exercise bulimia. I would write down every calorie of everything I ate. Then I would go on the elliptical and burn off the exact amount of calories. Mm -hmm. So my parents are like, she's eating, but they didn't know I'm downstairs, literally in the dark working them off. And it doesn't work that way. But my brain was like, okay, that canceled out. So I'm eating, but I'm, I'm canceling it out. Then it went to actual Mm -hmm. bulimia. When I quit soccer, where I would eat to the point of like, I couldn't even, I mean, my stomach would burst and throw up and then feel, go to bed and be like, my stomach felt hollow, skinny, like great. I was great. Um, and then in the morning I would be so bloated and puffy and I'd thrown off my hormones so much that I 
during my bulimic time, I was, it looked like I was in a fat suit of myself. Like everything was puffy. So no mm-hmm. one was thinking eating disorder because oh. I looked heavier. No one was like, Oh, she may have an eating disorder because I was the biggest I ever was because I had thrown off my hormones with bulimia. And there was a moment, there was a snowstorm in, when I was living in DC and I was walking to a convenience store to get all the processed foods that I could throw up. I could binge on. And I remember like, it's snowing out. There's no one outside. Cause it was a snowstorm. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like I'm out here in a snowstorm, like a, a crack addict, like going to get my fix, get these. And that's when I, like, I knew how bad it was. I still didn't mm-hmm. get treatment. So I was doing all those things. That was level one. When I stopped doing those things, there's no bulimia happening anymore. Um, I knew I wasn't healed because I was still it, for a while. It was like, I'm not bulimic anymore. I, I, I'm not, I don't have an eating disorder, but I will fully admit I was still restricting. If we went to restaurants, I wouldn't, there's no chance I would look at anything except the salads. Like you only get a salad. I would never look at a sandwich yeah. or anything like that. If we went on vacation, does the hotel have a gym? Um, I would be laying on the beach. Like I see someone getting a run in. Oh, I didn't get a run in this morning. It was not physically abusing my body, but there was restriction. There was so much noise about working out that I am past all of that. So now, and to the point of writing the book, I truly mm-hmm. eat whatever I want, chicken wing, anything. I don't want to show all the things that I'm eating because I don't want to, people be like, you eat chicken wing. I don't want to like tell people eat chicken wings and you'll look this way, but you'll look in shape because I am in my best physical shape now by eating what I want often working out less and not living in a constant state of stress. It has worked for me. And I was thinking for a woman that is on the treadmill seven days a week, can't pay her to take a day off, which was me only eating salads mm-hmm. and frustrated that your body Same. is holding on to weight. I want to show you, I enjoy my life. Now I have cocktails every day. I eat what I want. I don't need a ton. I, I break it up. Like I eat all day long. I don't eat like three big meals, but it's, I'm not eating clean foods and I'm working out seven days a week. I'm happier. The stress is gone and I'm finally in my best physical body. But for me, I know I admit I am happiest because I am in my best physical body. And to the woman who asked me, would I write the book? If I wasn't, no, I wouldn't. So I am not there mentally And I see the pictures you post and I want, like you inspire me so much. And I'm like, you're somewhere that I am not there. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if treatment is the only thing to like, because I know my triggers. I know why I did it. I lost soccer. I felt like I was worthless. Like I can explain it all, but for me, it is still a physical ideal, but the physical ideal has changed. I don't want to be skinny. I want to be strong. Like I want muscles. I want a big butt. And that's still, that's still still an ideal. It has changed, but it's not skinny. So is that like, I, I hear myself, I hear all. So the even words. if it's not skinny and, and you just, you want to look strong and you want to yeah. look like, and you, it's, you know, that's still, a, that's still a physical appearance and you're still, yeah. your goal is still to look a certain way. Like you it's the, the goal is body neutrality is listening yeah. to your body and well doing other things that you're doing, but without trying to look a certain way. Right. Not there yet. And and because your body has a natural way of, of being, if you eat what your body is asking and you stop when you're full and you eat when it's hungry and you drink when you're thirsty, yes. then you, your body will look like it's supposed to look. Yeah. And, and everybody is different. So someone could eat exactly what I eat in a day and not look the same as I do. Yep. And, um, and the thing is, like, I, I have lost weight. The past year, I've lost weight because I moved to a different country. My, my whole life changed 
in yeah. like a, in like a year. And, um, and I think because of, I'm not sure why, but it wasn't intentional. I think it was the stress and, and a different rhythm and different and like getting used to the different food. Um, but I know I am not at my normal weight because I feel tired and I feel I have no energy and like, I can feel it. I, I know I feel different when I'm heavier because that's when my body thrives, when I'm giving it more nutrition, everyone will look different if they're all on the same diet, like that doesn't mean anything. So it's, it's kind of tricky to have a following and tell them what to eat and yeah. how to exercise yes. because they might not look the same as you totally. and they might want to look like you and eat the exact same thing and have the same exercises as you, but they won't look at, like you at all because it's just their body is not the same as yours. I guess I, I am talking to a specific, like my intention with the book was that woman on the treadmill seven days a week for only eating salads frustrated to be like, you can eat like to inspire someone to stop abusing your body, stop restricting, stop mm -hmm. over exercising and just listen to your body and then show like where I came from and what I've, that was the intention, but it obviously yeah. because of my sharing my eating disorder past, like it made it to the eating disorder community and got torn apart. And I understand that now I'm not as defensive. Like I want to like go back to the people that I responded to, like saying, this is just my story. I, I understand what they're saying now. And I don't want yeah. to use fat phobic language to people that are following. Me it's because tricky, but, but the thing is it, it is tricky and it's not, there's, there's barely any manuals that teach yeah. you how to, how to talk to your community. Like you have to be very careful what you say, to the people who are in recovery and to the people who are recovered and to the people who think they're the eating disorders Lord. And they think they know everything about everything. And they like yell at you when you make a mistake, but you make mistakes because we're human beings and we're learning along the way. It's yeah. normal. Yeah. That's why it's, and it just feels so I like, I'm just sharing everything with you just because I feel seen like you've been through it. Mm -hmm. And I, did you ever yeah. think about like being like a mentor for someone like, I feel like I could open up to you about it because it's not a person that's like, well, you're saying these words and you're, because I want, you've been through it. Like I relate to you. You understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you've been through it. And I feel like you would be mm -hmm. someone that's done it and been through it and recovered would be such a like resource for someone that's in it or feels like they that's, are out of that's it. That's really, that's really nice of you to say. I, I'm, I'm actually thinking about, um, about getting a license for coaching so I would be an eating disorder recovery and body acceptance coach um, to, and I think I would have clients that are in therapy, but it would be like, uh, it would be like an everyday thing. So people would go to therapy like once a month and I would be their support day to day so they can contact me and, and I can help them anytime they want. That's kind of what I want to do. I love, I feel like I that's think. what you kind of are building. Like you yeah. are well, that. Because You're that's almost what I do. It's almost yeah. what I do on Instagram, but I'm not paid for it. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Monetize that. But what, what made you, that's a good point. What made you decide to share your story on Instagram? Like to finally just tell. Um, when I recovered, I realized I had recovered. I think the, the moment I recovered because I had been in denial for so long. And I thought I was recovered for so long, but the, the moment I was actually recovered and I would actually eat food without feeling guilty, without thinking about how much weight I was going to put on without worrying about it was a, it was a, a journey. Like it didn't happen overnight. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it took, it took, I think it took about two years for me to be 
no, maybe a little less, maybe a year and a half. I, I, I contacted my, th- my therapist. I was doing therapy every week with the therapist I had seen, um, 10 years earlier or uh, yeah, a long, long time earlier. And, um, it ha- didn't happen overnight, but when I realized how free I felt and how happy, and I felt like I had found myself again, I felt like I found the 16 year old girl who didn't care about how much she was eating and her weight. And cause I got bullied at school, but it didn't, it didn't make me diet. Cause I, I was kind of, I was, I knew I was an outcast and part of my being an outcast was that I, I didn't want to be like the other guys. I didn't want to be like the people who bullied me because I didn't want to be like them. Mm -hmm. It still hurt me. I still got a lot of trauma for, from the bullying I experienced, but it never until, until I became anorexic, it never made me change who I was. I was a little girl. I was a little fat girl. I was a punk. I listened to rock music and that never changed. Even though I was, they bullied the shit out of me that never changed because I knew who I was and, and I loved who I was. And I feel like when I recovered from anorexia, I found myself again from 17 years old to, to what, like 26, 27. That wasn't me. It was me, but it was like 50% of me. It wasn't, it wasn't fully me. And so when the day I woke up and I was like, shit, I feel like myself again. I feel like I'm, I can like, I, it's not, it's not just about eating. It's about like, also how you feel in your body, like how you carry yourself. I felt I wasn't like doing this anymore. I wasn't trying to hide my body. I was, I felt confident. I felt like I, I could allow my body to gain weight and I was fine with it. Like, and I just wanted other people to get to that point. It was impossible for me to recover from that illness and not help other people heal and recover. Exactly. Impossible, impossible. And, and yeah, so I that's where it. it came from. I, when I realized how free, happy, and, and, and great I felt, I, it was impossible for me not to help other people. It's so inspiring. Every time you post, I'm like, your body is so beautiful. Like I, curves, like I, I can't, I, I wouldn't be able to post. Like I can't, I don't know. I guess who I have like an eight. How old are you? I didn't think you were I'm, even I'm 29. Okay. So I'm 39. And yeah. I think I have some, an age thing too. It's like, you're 40, you have two kids, like get off Instagram and your bathing suit. So like a little bit of that noise, like, <laughs> I, know, know, I do love my body and I love who I am now. And I, I think the reason I don't post is a lot more of the, like, I'm sure you get trolls. Like, how do you, oh, of course, what do, of how do you handle that? Ignore it. So I ignore it, oh. especially in France. People in France hate when I post my bikini pictures. They, Why? I don't want to see your ass. I don't want to see, but when a thin girl posts it, there's no issue. Thin girls in France can post bikini pictures and lingerie pictures and there's no problem. But when I do it or when bigger girls than me do it, you're showing your body too much. Like, I don't want to see your butt. I don't want to see that. Like, you don't even realize the comments I get when a French media reposts one of my pictures. It's like, it's like I'm doing the worst thing in the world. It's like, I like bring something in them. They don't feel good about themselves and they have to like, exactly. I think there's a, there's a part of jealousy, um, Yes. And other people. And it was the same. I realized that already from when I was bullied because when I was bullied, I went to a private school. So lots of rich kids, lots of rich kids who love very expensive brands, very expensive, everything who love to go to very expensive clubs, very expensive restaurants. And I was just never like that. I, 
my parents didn't raise me to value money. Like it was the most important thing about yourself. I was taught to care about other cultures and, and not buy expensive clothes, like just buy whatever I needed and like my needs, not what I wanted, but my needs. Um, and I think going to a school where everyone was preppy and, and classy and I just came in with my baggy jeans and, and my big shoes and my skateboard under my arm and like listening to rock music. I think people were jealous that they couldn't be whoever they wanted to yes. be. Yes. And I'm picturing that- Clueless. I, like all I see is <laughs> Clueless when she comes yeah. in, they're like all like done up and she's just like, whatever. Yeah. They, you yeah. embraced who you are and they had to like, yeah. I, I didn't this, let like- them, I didn't let them change me. I stayed who I was. Yeah. I stayed that little punk girl, even though people didn't like it. I, I was having so much fun and I, and I knew I was having so much fun and I didn't want that to end. And so I think there's a part of them that, that felt jealous that I got to do whatever I wanted and yeah. fit in that little group, all looking the same, all thinking the same, all saying the same. And so the norm is that diets are good. The norm is that being thin is good. Yep. So when people, when you arrive in their life and you say, well, diets don't work, and you can be whatever size you want and still be loved and respected. People are like, what? That's not what I've no. been taught. Like, yeah. what do you mean? I, I don't have to diet and I actually can look however I want and I can wear whatever I want. Like, no, you can't be saying the right thing. Like you're wrong. And then you're not like, I want to listen to you because their whole world shuts down yeah. when you're telling them that what they've been taught their whole life is a lie. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a, it's a maybe unconscious unconsciously it's jealousy that they don't they get to be have that, that freedom. They yeah. want to be that way. So yeah. they criticize you and they bring you down because they want to feel good about themselves. Yes. A hundred percent. And you're making me think my daughter's about to be six. Like I just saw how she went out the door. I mean, it's not raining rain boots, tutu always some sort of bow. <laughs> and I'm like, I love, I hope that never changes about her. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, when she's like 10, people are going to come for her. And it like, I am like ready to fight the kids that are like, what are you wearing? Like she, when you're six, you wear what you want to wear and what you think looks good. And no, you don't worry about what anybody else is going to say. But at some point, someone is going to say something to her about that and about her being herself. And that crushes me that that's going to happen. At some point she's going to be bullied for not because nobody else wears rain boots and tutus and stuff to the grocery store, but she does. And she doesn't care about what anybody else thinks. She loves how that looks. Mm -hmm. And I adore that about her, but she's six. Like when she's like 10 or 11, someone's going to say something to her about that. And she's just being herself and what she wants to present. And I hate that. Mm -hmm. And I know because like, it's just not in our world. There's a certain way to be and you don't wear a tutu to the grocery store, but I want her to wear a tutu to the grocery store and be completely who she is. I love that about her. And I know she doesn't have long to do that because society and like middle school girls are going to criticize her. And then she's going to feel less than for being who she is. Like at six, you are who you are. You have to teach her how to be resilient. How? And and, and how to be resilient and how to, it's like, it's tricky because it's so easy to listen to what other people are saying. Like, like what I was saying, being bullied at school hurt me and, and, and it was traumatizing, but it didn't make me change because, right. because I hated these people and I didn't want to be like them. Like, that's, what's going to be so hard. <laughs> it, like, she's not going to want to stand out in first grade. You know, she's going to want to fit in and like, no one else is wearing that. And yeah. it's going to like dull her light. 
Like she's going to not wear a tutu when she wants so, to wear a tutu. And, and, and you'll have to be there to tell her, to remind her every single day that Where she can be tutu? whoever she wants to be. <laughs> My mom never criticized me for looking like a boy and listening to metal and, and rock music. But my dad reminded me every day that he wanted to have a girl and not a boy. And that I was like, I, he didn't like the music I was listening to. He didn't like the way I dressed. He didn't like this and that and that. But I feel like because my mom supported me, it helped me stay who I was and, and it helped me not change for, for these people. Um, I think it's important to, as a kid, because your brain is a sponge. So you have to be there every single day to remind her that she can be whoever she wants to be, that these people are not worth it, that she's the most beautiful girl in the world. Like that's going to, that's kind of our job to do for, for our kids. It's just so hard as a mom, like you want your child to be accepted and you don't want them to be ostracized or anything, but you want them to be them. It's such a tricky thing because yeah. and I see her getting on the bus and some of the mm-hmm. outfits she wears, like, I'm like, Oh, they're going to tear her apart. Like I want to protect her, but I want her of to course. be that forever. <laughs> You can't be too protective of her either. I know. Because then she's going to depend on you for everything. It's hard. It's hard to raise kids. I don't have any kids yet. And I'm so you're ready. God, you're going to be ready. I'm already like prepping myself. Well, you can prep, then we'll close it with your advice to someone that is struggling right now. Maybe someone that isn't doing the eating disorder behaviors and abusing their body, but still struggling with the noise. Like, what do you say to that person? What should they do? So I believe in, in therapy. I believe in therapy because people might think, oh, I'm very intelligent. And so I can figure this out on my own. But you didn't, you didn't go to school. Like it's a diploma. It's a career. Like being a therapist wouldn't be a career if you didn't have to have a diploma and, 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 you know, be a, have a license. And it's uh, years and years of studying and, and seeing different examples of people being sick. Like you can't just go to your friends and say, I'm sad about this. Can you help me? No, because your friends are going to tell you from their experience and, and their own, like, you know, lens. Yeah. But they're not professionals. I think you would really, really, really have to be able to um, look into yourself and understand yourself without any denial and any fear to be able to recover without therapy. But honestly, I really think it's possible long-term to nice. recover fully if you haven't been through therapy, which is shitty because therapy is very expensive and, and the government doesn't really help people who are mentally ill um, recover. So it's a, it's a vicious circle because people go to drugs and then they're ashamed and then they don't want to ask for help because they're ashamed of yep, being shame. sick. And it's like, it's, yep. So, so that's also why I talk about it so much is I want to encourage people to feel like it's not shameful to ask for help and go to therapy. The only really tricky thing is that it's very expensive. And so not everyone has access to it, but, um, I went to see a psychologist for many, many years, and she's the only reason I'm here today. If I hadn't met that psychologist, I don't think I would be alive today. And so that's only my point of view. It's, it's so complex because you think it's physical and you think it's all about the food and dieting and going to the gym when really it's about trauma and pain and mental struggles. And that's 
not easy to see because that's invisible. That, that part of an eating disorder, the whole mental psychological part of an eating disorder is invisible. So I think it's hard to heal on your own. I think you need a specialist to kind of dig into your life and see, well, this happened and that has this consequence on, on your body because, you know, they, um, they say that anorexia is related to um, the maternal side of, of your life. I didn't and bulimia is paternal side of your life. Whoa. Yeah. And so that you don't know unless you go see a therapist. Whoa. <laughs> you know? All these things I'm telling you, I, it didn't just come in my brain. Like I went to therapy for years to learn all of that stuff. And then I bought books and I educated myself and I interviewed people who were sick and like it. But also a big part of my work is that I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. And I so have- that's how I know everything that I know. And that's why you should be doing what you're doing. And if anybody's listening to this and <laughs> are thinking about the finances, that's exactly what Project Heal does. They will advocate on your behalf to your insurance company to get. I didn't know about that. that. That's what they that's, do. That's I, so I, great. I um, have squats and margaritas merchandise on my website and a dollar from every shirt goes to Project Heal. I did a, a book signing where money went to Project Heal because I think just what they're doing is so important. The first time you were healed or out why did they say you're done like what did they see in you when you felt like you were done and then you you weren't recovered why did they why were you out the first time does that make sense like why when did they say oh you're healed you're you're done with therapy well i started going less and less to sessions she never told me i was recovered she never told me i was healed I thought I got this. I thought I was healed. I thought I was recovered. I don't need to go to therapy anymore, which was me being in denial and me being tired of being sick mostly. And, um, but my therapist, when I came back to her a few years later and told her everything that happened during all these years, I didn't talk to her. She was like, well, now I see you recovered. Now she can tell me now when I talk to her, she tells me, I see that you recovered from this before she didn't tell me that it was my decision to stop going therapy because I wanted to be healed so bad that I thought I was. And then I think me putting myself out there to try to help other people come out of it and be like, show that you can, I used to throw up my food every day. I couldn't stop. Now I haven't done it in 14 years. And now I eat what I want. Like my message was, I I wanted to help someone so bad that it was like, I was not even going to not that. Cause I, I truly, I know that I don't do that anymore, but it is still mine is the physical ideal. Like I can't get to where you're at. If I don't feel like I am in my best physical body, I can't post about recovery and uh, finding yourself after. Cause then I feel like people are going to be like, well, your body isn't that. I feel like I have to like uphold a, a worthy body or some, why would somebody listen to my advice? Does that like, and I hear how horrible that sounds. I get to that body in a healthy way. It is still about a body, but I don't obsess, restrict, throw up, do any of those things to get, I happen to have found this body by living in a balanced way and enjoying my life. And Mm -hmm. that's what I wanted my message to be, but it is still about the body. Yeah. Well, you've never been to therapy (laughs) because you're scared. No, no, I'm not. I go to therapy for my anxiety. That's what's so funny. Like, and I'm on Zoloft for my anxiety. Cause I'm always like a hundred okay. miles an hour. And everybody's just kind of like, okay. Like with my kids, I'm like, come on, come on, come on. So I know, I realize I have a problem with my anxiety and I, it's never even come up my eating disorders and my therapy for my anxiety. Well, maybe it should. About. Yeah. I don't think about it anymore. I think about why yeah. I, right now I'm a hundred miles an hour. I don't want to be this way, but I don't have an issue with food. 
Mm -hmm. So I don't talk about it, but but I did. Maybe you don't talk about it because you don't want it to be an issue. Yeah, but I truly don't feel like it is. I truly, knowing what I used to do, like, I don't think anything like that anymore. And it's nothing for me to take it, like not work out for a few days, which I know sounds like, wow, most people don't, but I, you could not pay me to not work out seven days a week and eat anything that I I write in my book. My mom, when I was super skinny in high school, she made me sit down and eat one of those like easy Mac, Mac and cheese. And I I was crying. I was like, no, I'm not hungry. She's like, you're not going to the point until you eat this cup of Mac and cheese. And it was like, I ate it. I was like, it was like poison was permeating my body. I cannot eat. Like it was, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. nothing. I'm. No, nor I eat mac and cheese. I would eat mac and cheese every day. Like I don't have that noise, yeah. but I, maybe I eat it because I also am able to maintain my weight so I can eat it. But if I started gaining weight by eating mac and cheese every day, I, w- I wouldn't eat mac and cheese every day. So oh, there. See? Yeah. But I don't gain weight so I can eat what I want. But you eat <laughs> what you want or do you unconsciously eat what you know it's not, is not making you gain weight? I hear you. And I get, I, I don't know how it couldn't make me gain. I truly eat. I eat not good. Like my, like my husband will be like, don't, can you make something healthy tonight? Cause I don't even think about it. Like I'll, I'll make things like chili and cornbread. Yeah. He's like, I'm trying to eat healthy. And I'm like, Oh, now I have to eat it. <laughs> I don't think, but I don't gain weight. So maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I, I trust my body now that it's not going to gain weight. So I eat what I want, but it's about not, but you're still, weight. but you're still scared about gaining weight. Yeah. yeah. If you're still scared about gaining weight, then yeah. you're, you're, you're not there yet. And, and maybe know, that's something you can bring up in, in therapy, but like what go to an eating disorder therapist and be like, they're like, what's your eating disorder? Um, I don't have any, I just, well, I didn't, what do well, I say? No, because, <laughs> because if, you don't have to have an eating disorder to go to an eating disorder therapist. You can go there because you don't want to relapse or because you, you know, it's like, um, I know, I um, how do you I know say I that? Won't relapse. It's like, um, it's still it's there. Like a, it's noise in my head. Yeah. But I, I know I won't relapse. Like I've gotten to a point where I try, I just listen to my body. Like I'm hungry. I just ate two pieces of bread with peanut butter before we started. And I'm hungry again. And I'm going to eat when we're done here. And before it would be like, you just ate, you can't eat again. I would like not allow now my body is hungry. Mm-hmm. I eat. Like, I know I'm not going to go back to that, but I just don't want it to be about physical ideal anymore. I, yeah, I wish well, maybe, maybe you can, maybe you can just bring it up in therapy with my, and it doesn't have to be, <laughs> well, with your anxiety therapist yeah. or look for a special uh, eating disorder specialist, but it doesn't have to be a, a session every week. It can be a one-time thing. It can be a once yeah. every two month thing just to check in with yourself. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.